God, it works every time. It does. Welcome to Over 50, starting over. I'm Barry Edwards. And I'm Merle Garrison. Oh, and it seems like I just saw you. Didn't we? Yeah, yeah. We uh, <laughs> did a special guest episode last Man, night. Oh, really good boy. episode. An important one. Really yeah. huge. Uh, do you want to just uh, plug that yeah. for a minute? Yeah, we had Rex Lee on our show last night. He's a cybersecurity and privacy advocate, and he... Uh, has done work for the federal government most recently with the Senate Commerce Committee where they brought in the CEOs from the big tech companies, Google, Facebook, and Twitter. And Rex provided background information based on the research culminating over a 35-year period of time for them. And we had some questions for him in particular regarding the censorship subject that's come up as we were going into the election and now after the election and he had some very interesting takes highly recommend you watch that show and it will likely be out on tuesday because i have to ah. you know mark this up today i haven't even begun with rex's so look for it on tuesday guys it's a special episode and we will just you know continue running ours as normal and uh, Merle, for our career slash self-improvement segment that we usually start off with, you know, I often like to just say, talk about what I've been working on for the week. And I had a major success that I just found, uh, oh. I, yeah, recorded yesterday. And my holistic dentist, I've been improving her SEO over about the last year, her search engine rankings. And she got involved with... Uh, a, a web development company that shattered her SEO. So that's basically usually how I get brought in is uh, people you know, find themselves in trouble with this kind of thing and I fix it. So, Can you explain what shattered your, hmm. the SEO means? Okay. So she had a website and you know, over the last 10 years, the internet has evolved so much that you really need a complete redesign about every three years. You did. Uh, because technology changed so much. So when she got her latest redesign, I don't know where the recommendation came from. They designed a solid site. Uh, they really did. But she was ranking on page one for a lot of things. And with a dentist like, um, like tradespeople, you know, their people are auto mechanics, uh, different doctors. You, you derive your audience from about a 10-mile radius, more or less. Right, right. So it's important that you come up in the search engine rankings for that area. And she was basically on around page one for most of her major keywords. So it could be teeth cleaning. Um, I'm going to talk about Invisalign, the clear braces, and uh, cavity replacement, uh, mercury fillings. I did not know what a hazard those are. I have some in my mouth. I don't know about you. Uh, I should say silver fillings. They're amalgam. They contain mercury. Did you know right, that? Right, yeah, I did. My mom's a dental hygienist, so I had. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah well, she doesn't practice any longer, but yeah, we we uh, I grew up in a house where she actually went to school for dental hygiene when I was a kid, and I was the guinea pig. <laughs> uh, lots of sharp objects. I still shudder when I see a lampshade off. A lampshade. 
Yeah, I don't she, follow you. She would take the lampshade off, and uh, I, I would get called down. Merle, come down here from my dad, and the lampshade would—that's what she would use to practice. She would do, so that so the light, light so, enough to see into my mouth. Yeah, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, yeah, so I still have a little thing about good oh times. The lampshades off. <laughs> um, you know, but uh, okay. but yeah, I have only one filling from my whole life. Are you serious? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So much as that of that is genetics, and I only I have so. a few. But you know, boy, people that uh, you know, some people can brush and floss like crazy and just have. It doesn't matter, no, right? No. <laughs> you just okay. floss them right out of your mouth. Exactly. Back to your question, answering your question. Yeah, so yeah. these people redesigned their website and did a very capable job on the site itself, but her search engine rankings plummeted completely. You couldn't find her uh, with a search. I mean, it'd be very difficult. So it'd be like page five, six, nobody oh, searches, yeah. nobody's yeah. going to find that. And so I, uh, I just want to tell, I don't want to bore people with this at all, but I got to tell you, I got a lot of worst to first scenarios of ah, upgrading nice. her searches. And uh, so how do you do that? The number one thing is, again, answering your question. So what happened is the first thing you have to look at is the structure of your site. The first thing you need to do is get somebody that knows how to analyze the structure of the site and find out where things, there may be errors, just not Google has so many different algorithms to rank you and to show how professional and trustworthy that you are. Uh, some people, I uh, have people ask me like, well, you're just going to go and improve my Google, my business page, right? And it's like, geez, if that was that easy, everybody, everybody would be in the top five of search results. Think about mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Google doesn't tell you how they rank. But number one is if you have any errors or penalties on your website, that's the first thing you got to clear up. Because if you think you're just going to create a bunch of great content and push it out on social media and rise in the search engine rankings, you're going to waste a lot of time and money if really you're, the foundation of your house is shaky. So number one in that is if you have had somebody just uh, copy copy content from another website and paste it on yours thinking, oh, well, this site ranks number one here in Atlanta. Let's copy and paste that stuff and put it on ours. Well, you just got penalized uh, with one of Google's uh, biggest penalties. And it's mm. really hard to overcome that. That's plagiarism. So when it comes to ranking well with Google, most of it is common sense. You have to ask yourself, is this white hat practice or is it a black hat practice and that's what do you mean by that good or evil it's cow it's like the cowboy that wears the white hat or the cowboy yeah. that wears so nefarious activities is is plagiarizing copying mm -hmm. content mm -hmm. from another site. you're gonna get penalized on that you know just other things is if you don't know how to put your content your the structure together in a very professional manner on the back side of your website that again is going to get penalized it just looks unprofessional so it has to be clean. It has to follow best practices. That's the number one thing you do. Then after that, what you need is very good content that is original, that is well-organized and linked throughout your website. Because uh, Google scans a site with what they call robot spiders. That's why it's called the web. And oh. so, yes, this is exactly right. So 
in order for one of these spiders to get through your site, it follows the links. So it's very important. Like what I've been working with here uh, lately is Invisalign, the invisible braces. Right, right. Yep. And so I create a, a really good web page for her that describes all the aspects of the service. And a web page is a very permanent part of the site. And then I create complimentary blog posts which you can think of as more temporary. They're more of the shot in the arm kind of thing. And I push all of these out onto social media. All, the blog posts and the page all contain links to each other. It's very important to quote something like the ADA, the American Dental Association, right, here, right. here or there for a definition, because uh, that outbound link to a trusted source, again, shows credibility. So you put all of these together, knowing that you cleared up any penalties and uh, bad uh, mechanics that you had on the backside. Uh, and you're going to rise in the rankings. And in my case with Invisalign, what I do is I measure them at the beginning before I get started. And then I measure them later on. So mm -hmm. July mm -hmm. 7th, just a, a couple months ago, I measured Invisalign comma Cleveland. She had no ranking at all. Uh, to, uh, yesterday, November 5th, page, she's on page two. Uh, oh. So that's from no ranking whatsoever. Yeah, Invisalign, comma, Mayfield. That's a, a, a big part of the area she serves. Right. She was on page five. I got her on page one. Okay. Uh, Invisalign, Lynnhurst. No ranking whatsoever, page one. I got These are towns one. in the Cleveland area. It's a, it's, a ten, it's a less than 10-mile radius. It's more right, like a right. five-mile radius. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Invisalign, Richmond Heights, she had no ranking whatsoever. I got her on page two. All of these will continue to climb. So uh, three page ones out of all of that. So Very nice. I, what, the advice I want to leave you with, uh, I like to talk to tradespeople. My family, we're all in the trades. I think it's a fantastic way to uh, make a six-figure income. And if you put together a website, keep it simple. Don't outsmart yourself. Put great content on there. Comment, uh, comment as yourself. Put your case studies on there because that is something that is very unique to you. And you'll be talking about real life situations in your, your towns that are around you. So all of these things will help you climb uh, dramatically in the search engine rankings. If you have any questions on that, go to edwardscom.net and drop me, drop me a line. Now, these spiders are, you mentioned errors. So they, they're looking, like, for instance, are these grammatical errors that you're talking about? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Uh, of course, it could be. If your grammar is really bad and a lot of misspellings, and there's no need to have misspelled words today as we all have spell check on our, uh, the websites. So uh, grammatically, though, yeah, bad structure uh, of grammar can definitely raise some flags. Now, here's the important thing. None of us exactly know what Google's algorithms are. Uh, and they do that intentionally because they don't want you to cheat. They want mm. you to put the best quality content out there and reward you for that. And in turn, they are known as the most trusted search engine. Uh, mm search engine out there. So uh, it, it kind of makes sense. When you all think it through, it really kind of makes sense. And the people that know enough to be dangerous always tried out Smart Google. And those are the kind of sites people want me to fix. And it's just, um, 
I don't like dealing with that, that kind of situation. You can't, you, you got to do it right from the ground up and from the foundation up. And that means starting with a very solid, uh, well-structured website, and then you need very structured uh, content and you need to take advantage of things such as metadata and alt tags for your pictures. Uh, let's not bore the audience with that. That's just some keywords that you put behind the scenes to tell Google what you're talking about. That's what that is in a nutshell. So just do it right. If you have any questions, contact me at edwardscom.net. Uh, just go to the contact form. Well, it's, uh, you know, what you've explained here is there's a real science behind this whole thing. There's a science and an art. It's yeah. both. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, getting good advisors involved in this can make the difference between a, a, a business that wins and a business that fails. It's really true. And it's just important that you want to do things right. Uh, always come from a place of trying to help people. That's what we do in our business. We want to help people. And you should look at your website like that as well. You want to put content out there that helps people. It's very important that you push that out on the social media too because that's where you get eyes on your content and that will lead them back to your headquarters, which is your website. Would you say that there is, this may be industry specific, I, I feel like that's what you're going to tell me, but as far as putting your business out on social media, is it LinkedIn that's the best place? Is, that, is it Twitter? Is it all of them? It depends on your business. What, what's the number one place to 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 feature your business? I think that's a terrific question. And you're right. The way I'm going to answer that is primarily depends on your demographic. Uh, so that has something to do depending on the industry, but it really depends on your demographic. So if you're young female oriented, I would suggest Instagram is number one. Oh. Now, Facebook owns Instagram though. And mm. something like 86% of people actually have a presence on Facebook. That's amazing. It is amazing. So at the end of the day, I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook. Me too. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I love them because of the depth uh, that they reach. They can reach really anybody with the targeting. You've never seen marketing that could target like this before in our lifetime, ever. Uh, but what I hate about them is their greediness and their censoring. Uh, but the greediness is it's gotten to such a pay to play kind of place now that you only reach about uh, eight to 10% of your organic reach. Meaning if you have 1000 followers on your site and that's hard, you got to earn that, you know, and you've got all the way up to a thousand followers, you put out a post and just let it go. Only about uh, 80 to 100 people that like your page will see that post Be unless you put some money behind it and boost it out as it's called. Oh, so paid advertising. Facebook is all about paid advertising though. Mm -hmm. And just has gotten more and more so. And it's to the point where it's like, geez, come on people. Let's all look for another platform now. <laughs> now you asked about LinkedIn because it, yeah. you would think if you're a business to business company, it's LinkedIn all day. Um, LinkedIn is good in those regards and really industry specific. But the thing to understand is very few people go to LinkedIn every day and look at their feed. Very mm. few. Mm. And of those that do, they don't spend a lot of time on there. You know, it's a very small percentage. So 
Uh, you know what's interesting? I'll follow up on this, but with the uh, client that I have that we're selling workshops for, online yeah. training, yeah. we just started doing LinkedIn ads and I've never done, and we're also doing Facebook. I've mm -hmm. always done the Facebook stuff, but it's the first time that I've uh, been on a team where we've done LinkedIn ads. So I'm very curious to see how it goes. I'll report back on that. What about Yelp? I mean, you know, when I'm looking for something like, for instance, restaurants are, are a big one, and maybe this is again mm -hmm. industry specific. But uh, man, I look at Yelp and I look at those comments too, too, and I that boy, this has become a way of life. I, you know, it's you look at Yelp. I don't even know. Do you got to pay to be to put your business on there? I would imagine oh, so. That's a good question. No, you don't. It's absolutely oh, free. And really, you can, yeah. Yelp is all about reputation management. It's really not about search engine optimization mm. and, or rankings. It's about mm. uh, reputation management, which is very important. And it's a very big side of things. Of course, Yelp is heavy on the restaurants, but right, my right. business is on there. Marketing. Is it? Okay. Yeah. And, you know, you could be an auto mechanic. Uh, you could put about anything I've, I've on found it. auto mechanics yeah. on, on Yelp, actually. And, and yeah. I look at the comments, of course, because, yeah. you know, in the old days, you don't know. You just drive it that looks like a good place i heard something good but boy the comments really help in this situation yeah it, they sure do they really do and a bad comment is hard to overcome so we have to be really diligent about that so do you do you help clients with their yelp sites as well I, I mean, reputation management business? in general yelp is only yeah. one small aspect of it there's yeah. a lot of them even google reviews facebook uh reviews industry specific once again if you get into healthcare there's a lot of different industry specific sites on there. health grades for instance you, you know what i saw right on there and look at your rating Immediately. Uh, oh, well, you know what I saw, what I've seen, which I think is a really good practice when you talk about reputation management, I've seen where somebody just lights up a place. This was a terrible experience. Oh. And then management comes in and puts a comment to their comment and says, listen, let's try this again, because we've gotten a lot of good feedback on this. I tell you what, I'd like for you to come in and I'm going to treat you to this special or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, as I'm reading that, considering whether or not I want to go there, I'm thinking, boy, these people are really putting their money where their mouth is. And well, that makes a difference. It makes all the difference in the world. Uh, you're right. Everybody wonders how, you're going, how that establishment is going to respond to that. So it's very important as a business owner, you, you have to suck it up. Because, I mean, we all get personally offended and we, uh, we're, we're mad. We're angry, right? You got to swallow that uh, to use a piece of your, your advice that you've given recently is maybe wait till the next day on that. <laughs> Go ahead and write what you want to write, but don't yeah. publish it. Right, wait right. till the next day and then come back and, and turn that negative into a positive by saying, I've thank seen that. you. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Uh, we're definitely going to uh, take care of that situation. And we, you know, come in and see me dinner or whatever it may be. We'll be on us. And we just want to prove that uh, how much we appreciate uh, you're looking out for us. Our best. That is really great advice. Yeah, I it's, it's so important. You know, from a restaurant point of view, it's just like one bad move and you lose a customer for life. And now more than ever. 
And what I understand from the restaurant business is their margins are so thin that they're not making money off of the one time you go to eat there. They're making money when you frequent the place. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And especially now when most of these restaurants can't uh, uh, seat or serve more than like 40% of where they were at. How do they do it? How do they? These are the people my heart is out to the most. I'm, and I'm a, referring to COVID, by the way. I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. They're, they're struggling. I had an experience where there's a, uh, a place, I'm not going to name the place, but uh, it's a delicatessen, and they make some really great matzo ball soup. Mm. And Anne-Marie and I love matzo ball soup. So um, it's, it's sort of like just, it's, it's, it's the kind of food that you can eat that makes you feel good when you don't feel good. So <clears throat> I... I I went and got this, this is feel good food, especially for Anne-Marie and I, I went and got some takeout and when I brought it home, uh, Anne-Marie's all excited. There's no matzo ball in there. It's just all broth. And oh, so, this is, I hate, <clears throat> one of the pet peeves I have is that take, when you bring takeout and you don't get what you wanted Oh yeah. or they screw it up somehow and you got to go back there. It's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. uh, so I call back to the place. I get, they put the manager on the phone and the guy accuses me of lying to him about the matzo ball. He says that he actually saw the people put the matzo ball <laughs> into my soup and I'm on the phone like, are you kidding me? You think I have time to lie about a matzo ball, a matzo ball scam? <laughs> caper, the matzo ball caper. This was about a year ago, mm. maybe a little longer. I've, I'll never go back there again. You, really, of course. You, you and, no, and that is, boy, <laughs> a great example of how not to do things based on everything that we just talked about because you should have gone online and wrote a scathing review that it, it just told that whole story. You know, I, I've never done that before, but that, I mean, that, that actually, I should have done that because yeah. I mean, that could, couldn't be that he just decided to pull that on me. But I mean, the fact that he said that he saw the guy mm -hmm. put the matzo ball in the That's soup, like, I'm like, are you calling me a liar about right. the matzo ball? <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. You know, here's something that I noticed with takeout being, of course, all the rage right now. Um, something that I've really noticed about restaurants is when you get takeout, there's this uh, instinctual out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. You're, you're, uh, you're depersonalized and you don't know what you're really getting. And it's usually lame compared to if you actually go there and eat where, mm. oh, they see you and they want to interact with you. They love you and they want to cater to you. Yeah. Do you, yes. have you, do you know what I'm talking about? I do. And I've I, seen I, that a lot. I, what I'm seeing though, is I'm seeing restaurants trying to change. Like for instance, uh, there is a Denny's about a block away from my house. And you mentioned that on occasion, yes. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I, I got to say, they're doing a great job of, of, of being flexible during this time and trying to do everything they can. Last time I called in, because Anne-Marie and I like to sometimes get breakfast on like a Saturday or a Sunday morning, and I just walk up there and get, you know, bacon and eggs or whatever and bring them back. Um, and it's fun. And I noticed the last time that I called, they were like, oh, is he, oh, it's they somehow knew that it was me. 
Uh, I don't know if it's the phone number or whatever. Yeah, and they sure. asked me, well, did you want the st- same thing you ordered the last time? And uh, there was this whole thing where they tried to make it seem like I was having the in-dining experience. Oh. And even when I came there, they were so friendly and, oh, it's great to see you again. And thank you. You know, I think that's just good business. It is. It's great business. Uh, when you're in the service industry, you, and especially now more than ever, you got to really just pull out all the stops. You really do. Well, I noticed also when I, because I, I usually find the number for them on Yelp that they have like a five-star rating. And when you look at all the other Denny's wow. in the area, boy, they barely get a three. I mean, it's wow. twos. For, yeah, it's uh, so whoever the manager is over there, they've it's commendable what they've done. Yeah, no, it's I would say it's the owner of that particular franchise. Oh, that's exactly right. what yeah. he's doing. Yeah, no, that's However, awesome. I, I would say this is a kind of funny thing happened. I, I went in one day and to pick up my food and there was a guy sitting in there at, at one of the tables eating. And I said, oh, wait. Did something change? Are we allowed to eat in here? And they said, oh, no, 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 no. That's the owner. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. You know, I wanted to just mention as we were talking about the importance of the reputation management thing and even getting reach out there, like Facebook, what has actually gained a lot of ground in the same kind of regard is next door. And we bring that app up quite a bit on here just because, um, well, for one, I get all my, if, if I need a, I just had my renters break my stove, the oven door, mm-hmm. and I needed to replace a couple of parts on there. So I got the parts. Well, the first thing I do is go on the next door app and look for recommendations. And that's pretty cool. That is a good thing about Nextdoor. That's the very best that, well, that and if you lose your dog or cat. Yeah. Uh, right, right. Equally as much or probably more so. But to get the recommendations means everything. When you got like the majority of the populations raving about how nice and how fair this particular vendor is, you'd be a fool not to go there. To that. You're a fool not to look at that. Yeah. It's everything. I mean, and so when a vendor recognizes that and realizes that that's the mainstay of their business, then it's kind of easy to do well. And you know what else? You're enjoying your days more because you're being nice to people. So you're dealing with nicer people. It's just a snowball effect. It's beautiful. Prior to this stuff, I would have told any kind of like tradesperson or anything to go to, we, we used to do face-to-face networking groups all the time. Lots right, of right. Yeah, I've done a bunch of them. Same here, my entire adult life. And when I would get away from them, my business would slowly start to suffer. I'd be like, damn, um, back into them. BNI, it's the largest networking group in the world. And I would always suggest to tradespeople, people that have to uh, work within your five to 10, 15 mile radius to go to BNI. But I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking out loud here. I think uh, social media like LinkedIn, but mostly next door and, and even Facebook have just uh, made those a lot, uh, almost obsolete. Don't you think? Well, you know, from my uh, experience, I actually got off of Nextdoor because of the toxic environment that was created by all of this parody that's going on out here. So, 
I, I see that they have such a great opportunity, but of course they can't control the, what's going on as far as the communication. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I think you're right that they, they have that opportunity, but then they poison the waters sometimes. Well, they do a lot. And I think it's really important for us. I wish you would get back on there. I know you're different. Everybody's different. That's fine. Well, but it's the I, same thing with Facebook too. Boy, it's just brings me down the pot calling the kettle black because I've also distanced myself other than posting our own material yeah, right, I, and right. doing my client work. I, I don't personally engage much on there. Uh, but a next door, I find it a valuable challenge to all of us that we should all take is to tread into the muddy waters, the, uh, I don't know, in the precarious situations and come out an adult to not, lose yourself in that environment to actually engage with it, challenge yourself and come back out unscathed. I, I think we all need to take that challenge on and build up that armor. I understand exactly what you're saying. And, and that is definitely something I was trying to do. However, I do want to say this, that I think it's important to put yourself in a position where you're always loving thy neighbor yeah. And if you know what your neighbor is thinking about maybe even you personally all the time, that's not like, for instance, if I suddenly had the gift of being able to read minds, I think I would be miserable. And oh, yeah. when you take a look at what's happening on social media, I mean, people just write whatever they're thinking. So it's almost like you have the ability to read minds. So I'm looking at, you remember, I'm looking at this next door and especially during COVID I like to take walks around my neighborhood and these people are criticizing anybody that's out there walking without a mask. And I'm not mm -hmm. going to walk around when I'm not around anybody without mm -hmm. a mask. I don't put a mask on when I go in a store or when I get around people. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with that. But I mean, the, the anger that I was hearing, I, I just felt like, you know what? I don't want to be going around thinking about what other people are thinking about me. I think that's a bad way to live your life. And I'm kind, I want to be kind and loving to everybody. And I don't want to have those preconceived notions. And, and once I got off of next door, do you know, it made my name seem, it made my neighborhood seem like so much of a nicer place. That's interesting. Uh, you know, because you're in such a concentrated environment of, where people find it to be a sport and the virtual sig signaling. Yeah, to, that's for sure. You know, and that's what that is. They're trying to call you out to make themselves seem like the moral authority. And True. I mean, oh, it's fine. Man. They can do that. I just don't want to hear it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Hey, let's uh, take a swing into whether it's uh, more of the metaphysical stuff. I got some things on my mind there. But of course, oh boy, current events and politics, there's a little bit going on right now. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I don't know how much we want to beat a dead horse. I mean, clearly, uh, Kamala won the election. Um, Kamala. <laughs> I don't uh, know. What are you talking about here? <laughs> it's not over until it's over here. That, I mean, I kind of feel like we've got a long road on this one. Really? Tell me about this. Tell me the latest conspiracy theory. Well, I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory. I would just say this, that um, we are looking at a court battle. I mean, no matter who gets called on the election right now, we, we don't have a clear winner in this whole thing. Joe Biden seems to be in the major league lead. 
It doesn't seem like Trump has much of a chance. However, I do know this, that there are all kinds of different things that are happening out there right now where I've seen some of the craziest things I've ever seen in an election period. And this all goes back to the mail-in ballots. I mean, if we didn't have the mail-in ballot situation that we have, uh, that is the wild card that wouldn't, we wouldn't be in this situation today. I mean, in my lifetime, there's only been one time where the elections got dragged out. That was Bush and Gore back in 2000. And now we have a bit of a different situation. But when you have uh, the president winning by a great deal and suddenly at 3.30 in the morning, a caravan of cars show up with ballots, 100,000 ballots, that are all for the opposing candidate, you gotta sit back and go, hmm, that seems odd. And that's happening all over the place right now. And of course, that's going to spur legal challenges. And now we're in a great big mess. I mean, it's a mess. And I don't see a lot of good coming out of this. And what you're seeing, especially in the press, is you're seeing journalism is, in a sad shape right now, but the journalists are saying and blaming both sides that they're destroying our democracy. And maybe they are. But the, if it hadn't been for the mail-in ballots, which seemed like gasoline for this whole thing, we wouldn't be in this situation. Let me just say this too, and I, I'm harping on the mail-in ballots thing, but when you take a look at the Constitution, Article 2 of the Constitution actually talks about the president. That's the whole section about the president and how the president is elected. It is specific as far as changes that happen to the election process. This was a major change to the election process, and it says that in order for a change to happen, it has to happen through the legislature. That's not how it happened. It happened through the court system in individual states with mail-in ballot decisions happening. And that's not constitutional. When, you, uh, when, a, when a state actually extends the right to, A, change how the mail-in ballots are going to work and also extend the time that the counting and also submission of votes happen, you're going against the Constitution. And so that just opens up the door for legal challenges. And so here we are. I don't know how this is going to get solved. I don't think anybody knows how oh, it's going to get solved. I believe no. that even if a president is, is called, for instance, today, if they say, okay, Joe Biden got Nevada, which by the way, uh, there are several court challenges there saying that there are <clears throat> nefarious practices that have happened. Uh, thousands of voters have cast their vote that either don't live in Nevada or are deceased. That's uh, happening. We're seeing areas where the poll watchers are being blocked out of actually being able to see the ballots being counted. So what do you, it, it would cause somebody to think, what are you hiding? That's happening in Pennsylvania. It's happened in Michigan. It's happening in Nevada. All of the places that are in dispute. So they're actually causing a situation where it's very easy to put in a court challenge. And now how do you figure all of this out? I don't really know. Oh, boy. As you bring that up, it made me think of a horrifying thought. I may have nightmares tonight. 
Uh, I heard, and I know that you can speak to this, that if things are so screwed up that come uh, the inauguration time, it's like January 20th, I think. Is that right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that if things are still screwed up, everything automatically shifts presidential responsibilities shift to the Speaker of the House. Yeah. So if you take a look at uh, Article 2 of the <sighs> Constitution, it gets a little foggy, a little muddy. But yeah, there is a scenario in there where the Speaker of the House could actually take over as president until this gets sorted out. Mm, so, um, so well, we know who the Speaker is. And yeah, would it would you put it past these people to actually uh, recognize that this situation may very well happen and that was one of the possible avenues that they were kind of really good with? Yeah, I would. Uh, you know, I don't I'm putting put that anything, politely. I don't put anything past um, the uh, either party. To be honest with you, I don't sure. trust any of them. Let, let's just that. let's just you know level set here. Uh, I'm a conservative. I am, I'm registered under the Republican Party. I don't trust the Republicans. I don't trust the Democrats. I, I trust myself as an individual in, in, in researching all of this, and I do a lot of research on this, but mm -hmm. uh, as soon as a Republican crosses the line and is not fulfilling the Constitution, they're out of there as far as I'm concerned, and same thing with the Democrat Party. I would vote for a Democrat if I felt they were beholden to the constitution more than a Republican. And um, uh, unfortunately, what I see in the Democrat party is that they, they have a whole different philosophy of the constitution as a living document that evolves over time. And most conservatives don't believe that. They believe in the, the, the original intent of the constitution, that would be myself. And so that's the whole debate there. So I vote mostly um, for Republicans because of that. You know, but, that that's what burned me up last night. We had that, uh, we did the special guest thing with Rex, and a, a lot of it was about the censorship that happens online. And to your point, Tulsi Gabbard, talk about a stand-up person that would stand up for constitutional rights who would not take any corporate funding. She's known to not be able to be bought, which is why they didn't back her, and they would rather uh, back Biden and really Kamala, which, by the way, we already, uh, the American people already expressed their opinion that they did not want Kamala for a president, and they found a back door for that. That, that angers me. But me too. To the point about Tulsi Gabbard, she sued Google because after one of the first uh, DNC uh, Democratic, uh, what do you call those in the beginning? The primaries. Primary primaries. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, her Google searches were blocked. Can you, know, you believe that? Th that's well, the kind of thing that I, we didn't have a chance to talk about last night, but that's one of the many things that bother me so much. Well, this is really interesting too, Barry, because these uh, big tech companies have the ability to actually cause us to not see very important information that the voter needs to see before they go into the polls and being and blocking her information at a critical time like this may have had a big effect on her being able to continue on i think absolutely it did i i for one would feel so much better if she were the democrat 
that were you know, facing Trump. I, I think he would have had a, a much harder time overcoming somebody like her, but it is what it is. But I think she was more beholden to the Constitution than any of the other Democrats that were on there. And I think it, it showed loud and clear when you looked at the primaries. And I think when you look at the fact that she's the only one that I know of that had any kind of censorship going on, it speaks to the state of what's happening in the media these days. You know, where do you even start with that? So if you're I don't know, about 40% of the population who only your, your idea of news is what you saw on Facebook or CNN's headlines. Which is uh, a big, big population these days. You know, another thing that I've been thinking a whole lot about is the Democratic vote. Now, mind you people, I'm a registered Democrat. I got really uh, disenchanted with the party with the advent of identity politics under the Obama administration. And that's what, that's what started the walk away movement. But here's my point to uh, what goes on in these elections. And that is between, okay, the government, the US government is the largest employer in the United States. Yes. I think that's a little bit of a problem when it comes to votes. It's a huge problem, Barry. That's exactly right. And I don't know. What is the percentage of people that they employ of the population? Do you know by chance? I don't. I I think it's It's a a pretty, I think it's something like, you know, over over 10%. I I was going to go 25. Yeah. 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 So those votes are bought and paid for. Uh, I would say unions, which span a lot of industries throughout the United States. I would guess that 90% of people that are in a union vote Democrat because at least think about all those votes. You don't even have to go out and campaign at this point. And you probably have 40% of the votes in the bag. Maybe. Isn't that interesting? Well, think about that. Yeah. And I'll say all the time, I've always leaned libertarian, which is small government. I mean, I believe that down to the core of my soul. I I believe the founders believe the same thing. I agree. And so if the government didn't employ people in the United States, but only oversaw uh, and and, uh, outsourced things to private sectors, uh, which is the way I absolutely believe things should be done. Agreed. That would really make the playing field. Think about the competition on the playing field between opposing parties. I don't even know if the Democratic Party would exist, but you now have people that are, would have to, the parties bending over backwards to do, in my opinion, have to do the right thing in order to get elected. I mean, don't you think? I 100% agree with you. And I'd also say that there's a history out there where you can take a look at these demographics that are in the bag for a particular party. I I look at, uh, I just read a book about the FDR administration where he has certain groups that he knows are absolutely going to vote for him. There's no way that they're not going to vote for him. Back then, it was the South. And, And he got all of the votes from the South, all of the Southern states. But during his many presidential terms, because he actually won four terms as president, the South was completely neglected. Um, he knew that he, he knew that he was going to get those votes. So once he became elected, he didn't actually fulfill the campaign promises that he said, but he kept getting elected by those same people. 
And uh, this is the, it comes back and bites you. And that's a, a big concern that I had about Joe Biden, where he was making comments like, if you ain't if if you don't know who you're going to vote for, then you ain't black. Well, that's uh, and he made several other comments to yeah. that uh, to, uh, along those lines. And that, to me, is a big red flag for the black community that you're already in the bag. Yeah, there's nothing that I really need to do in order to get your vote the next time. I don't really need to do anything. And when you take a look at the Obama administration and you start to look at the statistics that happened, he got over, what, 90% of the black vote. Mm -hmm. But what happened in the black community? You still had very high unemployment. Mm -hmm. You saw what was happening during that time where uh, um, you had riots that, were, that happened in uh, Maryland and also in the St. Louis area. And you had all this conflict happening. And yet, what you were also seeing was that all these black celebrities were showing up at the White House, and they were in the, you know, all all in there. It was just a show. Mm -hmm. And then under the Trump administration, you have the lowest unemployment rate for in the, the record for the lowest unemployment mm -hmm. rate for a black community. So it's just an interesting thing to take a look at. I don't know. I can't. Uh, it's. It's not something I should speak to as a white person, but as a black person, if I were black, I would be so angry that my race was being bamboozled like this. Okay, let's all vote for the people that give us the highest unemployment rather than uh, the best uh, opportunities we've ever had in history. You, you know, it's interesting. I agree with you. And, um, you know, as, as a white person, I would say, you know, look, <laughs> I have never heard the type of rhetoric that's happening from the Democratic Party towards white people. It seems highly prejudiced. Uh, what that, do you mean? Uh, well, uh, that um, oh, I just read this article last night in the uh, uh, in the New York Times. The New York Times is terrible what they're saying out there, but. Uh, they're saying, oh, well, two out of three white people voted for Trump and it's white people that are causing oh. all the problems in the United States. And it's because of their white privilege and, uh, you know, white people are inherently racist. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I'm hearing out there. And I think that this that's what the real racism is. Well, and they're setting up a, a terrible precedent where, it, like you said, identity politics well, for instance, Joe Biden saying that he was going to bring a black woman in as vice president. Well, why? Exactly. I mean, so that means so a white uh, man can't be the vice president just because of our history. Well, what about picking the very best person? I mean, why not say I'm going to pick the very best person and then it turns out to be a black woman? But I'm telling you, man, um, it, to me, you're taking a racist line. What if the tables were turned and they said, you know, I'm going to pick a white man for vice president. Boy, the black community or anybody that wasn't white would come out and say, that's racist. How come yeah. it's not racist when you do it the other way around? I think people are asleep on that. Dude, I, that's another thing that angers me so much because it's so obvious. Anybody with a brain could see that and figure it out. If you... The very definition of racism is to segregate, okay? That's exactly right. That's and that's, exactly right. 
and that's all they do. But they know, you know what, it, it's all feeding on emotion. I wanted to pose this question to you. So it's, to me, it, it seems very obvious that Biden or Kamala, whoever, won. And so come January 20th, uh, uh, we've had four years now of the media just weaponizing hate. And, I, and, and it's, gotten, it's become very addictive. People are loving it. They need that dopamine rush of being able to go on Facebook or something, call some, their neighbor a racist and feel so good about themselves. And all of these things are, are happening. It, you know, we're in riots now. And all of this hate has led to violence. So Biden wins January 20th. Uh, I personally, it's not going to change my day-to-day life, especially that uh, the Democrats didn't take the Senate as well. So they're not going to be bamboozling a whole bunch of stuff, a bunch of laws through. My question is, so does the hate go away? Do, do the riots stop? Question. The, yeah. Is Facebook going to be a utopia now? What, what happened? No. What is CNN and MSNBC going to look like? Well, here's the problem, and you brought it up. The, the, the Democrats did not take the Senate, and they also lost seats in the House. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you've got Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the people that support them. They stand for they want to take your guns. They, they were pretty clear about that. Uh, they want to uh, make Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico states. Uh, and this actually would guarantee the the Democrat Party stays in Democrat. Oh. And, uh, the, the, in other words, you're creating a one-party system by doing this. Uh, they want to pack the courts. Again, it's a one-party system with no opposition to anything that they do. Um, they're shutting down free speech in various ways uh, because they're very beholden to the media and to these tech giants and even abortion rights. Uh, they want to end the filibuster rule. All of these things take the Senate and the House to cooperate with the president, and that also uh, in order for these things to happen. And as a result of what happened in the election, for instance, packing the court, let's just take that for an example, the Senate approves all of the court appointments. So if you're going to try to pack the court, the Senate stands in the way now. If they, if they would have taken the Senate, it would have been easy to pack the courts. Now they can't do that. They can't actually change the amendment, the Second Amendment. Um, they can't actually do anything about the Second Amendment without the majority in the House and also the Senate and also the Supreme Court. So these are things that they were promising or campaigning on that they're not going to be able to do. My point in, the, in saying all of this is that these people like Black Lives Matter, Patrice Cullors, who really has put her agenda on Joe Biden, they're not going to get what they want with a Joe Biden presidency. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're not going to be happy, but they're emboldened by what they've seen. The press is behind them. Tech giants are behind them. So the more they go out and riot, as they've seen, they've been able to do or get what they want. And so this is going to inspire them to keep on doing what they're doing, even under a Biden-Kamala Harris uh, administration. Oh, that's so bleak. 
Uh, you know, I, I, I hate to be that guy to say that, but it, it seems to me that the handwriting's on the wall. Wow. So, okay. So then the struggle becomes between the far left and the left. As we saw under the Obama administration, I think that the struggle is more, I like, I, I, I would put it a different way. I think the struggle becomes between liberals and leftists. That's, uh, that's exactly what I meant. Yeah, yeah I, I knew what you meant. But I think it's confusing when we say, you know, because we have this political spectrum and liberals are supposed to be on the left and conservatives mm -hmm. are on the right. But you have this whole thing that's happening, this dynamic that's happening in the Democratic Party where you've got liberals and then you have leftists. And when I say leftists, I mean they're socialists. Mm, they're um, Marxists, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, sure. they're, they're actually Marxists. And liberals and Marxists don't have a lot in common. Mm -mm. And so, so this is what happened in the House race. Uh, they were expecting to pick up like 35 seats in the House. They didn't, they didn't pick up any. They lost seats in the House. And this has everything to do with the squad mm -hmm. and their socialist agenda. Um, and Nancy Pelosi capitulated and bought completely into it, hook, line, and sinker. Now she's in big trouble. And they spent billions. They way outspent the Republicans in the race by two to one margin. And, they, and it didn't work. It didn't work. And so that gives me a lot of hope, by the way, about America, that America is not standing for a lot of this social agenda, socialist agenda, or uh, identity politics. In fact, it, we've heard this before, Barry, that as, the, as California goes, so goes mm -hmm. the rest of the nation. And as we take a look at this last election, there are some things to be very hopeful about. We had uh, a number of measures on the ballot that were highly socialist in nature, and I don't think any of them passed. Uh, one of them, uh, and these were all, you know, Democrat-led agendas. And really, when I say Democrat, this was by the left, not the liberals, but this very, very leftist. Mm -hmm. One of them was, and I really like this one, was they, uh, they, let me just read it, Democrats pressed to rip open the state constitution in order to impose racial and sexual preferences on college admissions and government employment, which have been banned since the constitutional amendment passed in 1996. California voted against that. Oh, but this wow. was a measure that would reinstate politically correct discrimination, a.k.a. affirmative action. And I like the line this author, uh, this journalist wrote was uh, the year of the woke. And they did and they um, they did. They voted against this, despite the fact that the proposition supporters vastly outspent its opponents and had overwhelming support from the usual establishment suspects. Even in California, we're not buying into this whole uh, identity politics and this, this socialist movement that's happening. It's unfair. It's discrimination, as we talked about in the beginning. It is, There's, but I can't believe California's coming around. Look, there were several other ones that passed. Uh, Uber and Lyft were looking at becoming extinct out here yeah. because they were going to become, uh, they were going to take their contractor status away from them. We voted uh, against that. So Uber and uh, Lyft are going to stay here along with other contractors. They were going to ruin the whole 
uh, contractor situation in the midst of this terrible economy that's happening. These people, what were they going to do? Uh, that was going to be terrible. They had another measure that had um, higher, uh, a, a large tax increase for non-residential real estate in California. That didn't pass. Why would you increase taxes on businesses during a time like this? It's just crazy. And here's the other one. And this was outrageous. I couldn't even believe this was on our ballot, but they were going to lower the voting age to 17. Oh, well, oh, you know the Democrats want that. For absolutely. Sure. And yeah. California voted against it. Then when wow. 17 year olds aren't going to vote. So these are things that we can really uh, garner some hope for America and the fact that, okay, we've got this presidential thing that's happening. It's ugly. It's really ugly. I, I, mm. I'm, I'm seeing that we're going to be dealing with this for weeks. That's what I see in my crystal ball. I could be wrong, but I think we're going to, oh, I, I think this is going to be worse than what we saw with the uh, Bush Gore thing. And here's the, the last 2020 thing Merle. Of course it will be. Unfortunately, whoever does come out of this as the victor, we're going to hear four more years of this is not a legitimate president. And that I that, hope not. That's a terrible, terrible situation for us to be in. And I hope what happens through this is that we can really have some. We, we really think rethink how these elections are processed and yeah. changing the rules of the election just because there's a pandemic. I just, I think there was a better way of going about doing that. You know, Merle. Here's I don't get this at all. We can do all of our online banking online. Uh, we can purchase things at Amazon. We don't today. We don't even worry about it in the slightest, but we can't cast our vote it's more yeah. securely online than a paper ballot going through the mail. Like uh, it's the pony express. So I don't funny. understand it. I don't. Larry Elder came out this week and he said uh, that uh, we could calculate 50 million votes on American idol during a commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do this. I mean, this is crazy. It, it is amazing. But boy, I hope you're wrong about it dragging out like that. I don't, it, it doesn't matter to me who really wins this election because I, not much is going to change. I guess if, if somehow Trump were to pull this out by some miracle, then the hate would boil over once again and we'd have to deal with that. But my point is, is I think within the next six months, we're just going to, the, the average everyday American will just start to realize that we need to start talking about artificial intelligence and the impact it's having on our life. And within a year from today, it's going to be a big topic of conversation in the mainstream about the impact that it's I mean, going to have on us. You know, it's it's really amazing what we're looking at with artificial intelligence because it really depends on whose hands it's in. It could be used for such great good, and at the same time, it can be used for such great evil. And we're seeing it used in both ways right now. Yeah, it's got a, a lot of evolving to do, and I only want to set the stage that I want to talk a lot more about this, and there's a lot of different angles to to explore here. So I just want to throw that out. What I'm trying to say is as nutty, nuttily focused everybody is on the president of the United States at all times now, it's irrational uh, to the point we have bigger, honestly, we have bigger things that, to think about in 
by the time this four-year term is up, this upcoming new four-year term is up, artificial intelligence will be a much bigger uh, issue for good, better or for worse, than really who is the figurehead of the United States. And, and I'll just put this out. There's a figure out there, forget who it was, an expert says that within 15 years, uh, 50% of our paying jobs will be gone, not to be replaced. Because it's, you're talking some middle, a lot of middle management, a lot of upper management. We're not talking about factory workers being displaced, just factory workers being displaced by robots anymore. We're talking about thinking, you know, we're talking about a technology that beats human beings in chess, in poker, which is bluffing and lying. Uh, there's a game in Korea, something, some super, super smart game that I forget about that they beat uh, hum, the best humans in that. We got a lot to think about here. Yeah, the, it, we're, we're really in the realm of science fiction now. I mean, oh, yeah. and, and that being not fiction any longer. So uh, yeah, you're right. And uh, there's more to come on that for sure. Hey, I wanted to bring up another news item here. I don't know what you're hearing in Ohio right now. But uh, we've got Thanksgiving coming up in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I, did I say that? I, a couple no. of weeks? I mean, I, look I, outside here, Merle. It's 70 degrees and sunny and beautiful the next several days. Unbelievable. And, That's unbelievable. Uh, well, we have all kinds of uh, mandates coming down from on high from Emperor uh, from the emperor, <laughs> our governor, I mean, yes. and uh, he is saying he set some rules here for Thanksgiving. We are not allowed to have more than three households uh, being a part of our Thanksgiving celebrations. Uh, we are, must have masks on after eating or drinking, and there's no singing to be had or chanting or shouting. Um, first Whoa. off. Uh, and also, there uh, we're supposed to be having our Thanksgiving dinner outside, not inside the house. The only reason that people can go inside the house would be to use the bathroom, which must be sanitized. Uh, we all have to be six foot apart from each other. The limit to the length of time that we're allowed to get together is two hours, and the governor is recommending that we actually wear our mask in between bites <laughs> all right the only thing that i agree with that because it's california not all california is the same but about half of the state could very comfortably nicely have an outdoor thanksgiving i think that would unless be great. it rains uh, yeah weather permitting i know I, I you know with us all right first of all i gotta agree with you that's craziness over there uh I'm that glad you said that that Newsom Emperor guy, Newsom. I don't know. I, that guy better. I, I said this before about someone else. He better brush up his resume. What was your reply? <laughs> it was Gretchen uh, Whitmer. In, uh, in, uh, you had a funny reply. Uh, I, I remember, but now I don't remember what I said. Okay. But yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's a lot of craziness. So, okay, over here, I don't think that there's anything coming down from up top, but as a family, we're discussing it. And, uh, you know, we just do the group text and it's like, hey, understand anybody wants to take uh, precautions. We'll miss you this year. Totally get it. Uh, but if you are coming, whatever precautions you want, we're going to socially distance as much as possible. 
we're taking it all on as adults. You know, no one's bringing any kids over. So, okay. I think that's a, what you're saying is really important, Barry, because, you know, the nation was built on the fact that going. we are adults and mm -hmm. that we are, it, it's a nation that is governed by the consent of the governed. And um, when you, when the government decides that we're children and we need to be treated as such by the government, in other words, you're our nanny now, then you get, you get rules like this. Mm -hmm. uh, we all know that we're in a so-called pandemic and we should be able to make our own choices about if we're going to eat outside, even if we should sanitize our bathroom. These all sound like good ideas. And I could imagine the government coming out and saying, these are good ideas for you to take a look at. But to mandate these types of things, first off, how are you going to enforce that? Are you going to have the two Thanksgiving hour, police out there? The two-hour thing. Like, they, they do the thing when you got two-hour parking, like they mark your tire or something. Right, right. I thought yeah. about the same thing. And, and here's the other thing, too, is that there's no way that you can enforce this. So if you come up with rules that can't be enforced, they're really glorified suggestions anyhow. But mm -hmm. in the face of defunding the police again uh, it just doesn't make nothing makes sense out here and by the way who in the world do you think you are telling us how we're going to have our thanksgiving dinner and the other thing too is there is this thing called freedom of religion and i have to say that thanksgiving is founded on worship principles it's not thanksgiving it's it Thanksgiving is founded on Thanksgiving to God, whoever your God is that you worship. And when the government starts to control how you worship, there's a problem. Out here in California, churches are still closed. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't see how they can get away with that. Freedom of press still works, mm -hmm. but freedom of religion, somehow we can sacrifice that. It's non-essential. That yeah. seems to be quite un-American. And we're seeing this, and it's going to roll into Christmas and Hanukkah and all those kinds of things as well. I think this is a terrible precedent. It's a bad year. It's a really bad year. And, you know, there's no guarantees that 2021 is all of a sudden going to magically go back to uh, something beautiful. It could be worse. I mean, well, we if, don't know. Yeah, we don't. We really don't. And um, it doesn't seem to be headed in a good direction. I, I, had, a, I had a thought that if Joe Biden were to win, uh, that uh, suddenly all these coronavirus shutdowns would stop. Uh, but now I'm not so sure about that. In fact, he, he threatened to mandate that we wear masks all the time uh, as, a, as a federal mandate. And I don't know. I think there are some constitutional issues that would go along with something like this. There's, there is a point where the federal government does not have a right to dictate how everybody lives their life on a daily basis. That's actually for the state and local governments to handle. And that's why we have a Bill of Rights. So stay tuned. We're, gonna, we're in for it. We're going to see what happens. We are living through some very historic times right now. Yeah, we really are. I and we got to wind this up. And uh, I wanted to. It's change of gears, hundred percent. You made mention last week. You saw my article that I put up there a few weeks ago, so it's not fresh on top of mind. But I wanted to talk about it today. Just mention briefly. So there's this article on today.com, which I'll leave a link to in the show notes. It's about 
an experiment in unity. Jews, Christians, Muslims mingle on a shared campus. I love this story. It's in Omaha, Nebraska. And so there's this campus. It's called the Tri-Faith Initiative, a unique experiment in unity. It's across 38 acres, and it's on the edge of the city. And there's a synagogue, a mosque, and a church. And on a Saturday, Tri-Faith introduces a new interfaith center, the final place of a plan that was years in the making. Well, the goal is that people, uh, they have, okay, as I said, they have their mosque, the synagogue, and a church. They do worship separately, but on the same campus. And there's some quotes. Uh, one guy talks about, we talk about celebrating each other's faith and becoming stronger in our own faith by doing so. And uh, he says, just because you learn a lot more about Islam or Christianity doesn't mean you can no longer be a good Jew. How about that, that we are learning togetherness and acceptance uh, and appreciation for each other in a time of such, what, what do we call it? A, parody. I, I mean, it's, it's it all stems down to parody. Like, I can't be friends with you because yeah. you're different than me. Yeah, you have a different thought process <laughs> or, uh, you know, and religion has been getting the short end of the stick uh, for so long here which is, I think, a movement of pseudo-intellectualism, which means that uh, we've gotten smart enough to say, oh, you believe in that big guy in the sky. Well, I was up in a jumbo jet. I didn't see anything up there. (laughs) We have enough intelligence and information to uh, sound really intelligent by bashing it. And that's been a movement that's been going on for some time. I'd say that I even, uh, in my younger years, was kind of on along those lines as well. But the more I was learning, the more I was evolving is the more I realized that more things I didn't know. There's more that I don't know than what I do know. I really like what the campus is doing. Um, I think it's very American as we talked about mm-hmm. freedom of freedom of religion doesn't mean freedom of one certain religion. In fact, yeah. <clears throat> when uh, this whole thing that's been bandied about, about separation of church and state, uh, has been misconstrued. There's a, the original intent, uh, first off, that's not in the Constitution. Uh, it was from a letter from Thomas Jefferson. And what Thomas Jefferson was saying to the Baptists of Massachusetts was, we're not going, freedom of religion doesn't mean that the state is going to favor one religion over another. Uh, we recognize that you have religious freedom. And we are going to, we are going to enforce religious freedom, and that means that the country was founded on respecting your religion, whether it's different from mine or not. That that you have the the freedom to worship your God, and seeing that happen is the best. And <clears throat> it's also premised on the truth, and the truth has a ring to it. And so we shouldn't be threatened by, and that's why freedom of speech is in this whole, the same First Amendment. Mm-hmm. The truth has a ring to it. So I have the, the right to go out and talk about God, just like somebody of a different faith, and let the people decide what the truth is. Going back to that same premise that we're adults, we should have the right to gather the information and decide for ourselves. So there's a theme here, once again, to our show. Uh, freedom of the press, once again, the First Amendment. We should be able to let people write, and if it's a lie, 
then there's going to be, it's going to have a sour note to it. And we're going to be able to look at it and judge for ourselves. Now, are we going to be right all the time? No, but that's the beauty of being in this type of a society that there's not a government out there that's going to say, no, I'm going to think for you and I'm going to decide what's right and what's wrong. When we see politicians that are going to say that, like, you can't have a gun, even though it's in the first, in the second amendment, we should be able to decide whether we have that or not. Anyway, I could go on and on about that. It's the beauty of America is that we have these liberties and the government has no right to take those away from us. Absolutely. So I will leave a link to that article in the show notes. I really hope that you guys check it out. It's so inspiring. It really choked me up. Just uh, how kind. I love that. Yeah, me too. One final thing. I wanted to mention John Heffron. He's a stand-up comic that has a special that is out on Amazon Prime. Merle, I know you have Amazon Prime. I do, yes. Middle class funny, five-star rating, five-star reviews of from over, I think, 400 different people. I also gave it a five-star. I had to, he's, it's clean. No, he doesn't swear. A oh. couple of minor sexual innu- innuendos. He's so likable. He's just this really likable guy that can tell a great story. You got to check it out. It's like an hour. It's really fun. You'll give it a five star. I love that. It would a great suggestion. I'm looking John forward to checking that out. John Heff. Great, great. So, yeah, Thanks I really for the love suggestion. That. We got to get going. We're really over again. And uh, so remember, we're coming out with our special guest spot, I think, on Tuesday. And um, Merle, have a beautiful weekend. Can't wait to you talk too, to you. too, Barry. And check us out on over50startingover.com. Love you guys. Love you, brother. See you, you. Uh, next week.